0: Or Lauren, depending on how she say it, it's spelled Laureen, it looks like. <laughs> uh, but Dean and Laureen Byfield. Amen. And so we're thankful that God brought them with us. We're not going to leave Caleb out. Caleb is with them. Amen. They can't go anywhere without Caleb. So we thank God for Caleb and Laureen and Dean. And we just thank God for them coming to be with us tonight. Amen. They are missionaries to France amen they're gonna have to help us with france amen my my wife and i didn't have a great experience in france so they're gonna have to make france sound good to us (laughs) amen but when you're doing the work of the lord that's exactly what they why they need jesus in france they need jesus everywhere we need him here they need him there but the last time we took a, a trip over to france We went to a restaurant that didn't speak any English, and they wouldn't see us because we didn't speak English. So we said, ooh, okay, amen. And then we went over to Italy, and we didn't speak no Italian, but they just loved us. So we we, we, we said something is up with France, but we love people, and it doesn't matter where they're from. And we thank God for the Byfields, for sending them to be with us. Uh, Brother McFarling, who is our um, missionary, um, our... um, Global Missions Director in our district, Um, you know, he, he didn't ask me. He just told me, I got a guy for you. He's going to be fine. But that's the kind of relationship we have, you know. So it's always great when you have good friends. And so he just told me, I've got a missionary coming, so um, what, days, what day can you have him? I said, Thursday. And he said, because somebody had you already on Sunday. No, Matt had you on Sunday, and so you were all booked up. So he said, what day do you have available? I said, Thursday. And so he said, all right, you're going to love them. And then as I'm reading, I can see that you're local. You're from Bethel. Um, that's um, your original church, and then you traveled to the Midwest, and you know that's where you probably met your lovely wife there. Um, and so you've just been doing the work of the Lord. And so we want you to just welcome the Byfields to Christ Center Church. Love them and let them know we appreciate them being here. Missionary, brother Byfield.
1: Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it very much. Well. God bless
0: you. Praise the Lord, everyone.
2: Amen. Can we clap our hands one more time to the King of Kings? And to the Lord of Lords, His name is Jesus, and He's worthy of all our praise. Amen. I'm thankful for the God that we serve. There are many people that serve many gods tonight, but we can say that our God is the living God. Amen. He said that of Himself. He says, I am the living God. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I serve a God that... Knows my voice. The Bible says he's able to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So whenever you have a problem, you just need to call on God and he knows. He's been there before. There's nothing that you could bring to God. And he says, "Ah, I'm not sure how to handle this one. He knows how to handle it all. And I'm thankful that's. A good. And he is so good that we could all bring him our problems at the same time. And he's so big and he's so powerful that he can handle each and every one of our problems at the same time to specificity. That's the kind of God that we serve. And I'm thankful that we serve a God like that. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thankful for the presence of the Lord I feel in this place. Appreciate the presence of the Lord that I feel in this place. God is always honored by praise and worship, and I'm thankful for his presence that we feel here. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be here tonight. We are privileged to be here. Uh, I was telling someone before church that we have been on the road since May of uh, this year. We started what is called Deputation, for those of you that are not familiar with that. Uh, We have been missionaries to France. My wife grew up in France. She'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But we have been missionaries to France for the last three years now. And uh we are back in the States on what is called deputation, where we travel from anywhere from 12 to 18 months to raise funds for us to go back to France. And in the last few months, we have been on the, on the road for quite a bit. And we have been, I believe it's in 17 different states since the month of May. So we've been traveling a whole lot. You know, they tell you, about oil changes. We know more about every Jiffy Lube in different states than anybody else. We could tell you where they are. <laughs> we've been getting oil changes because we've been putting so much mileage on our vehicle. But God is so good. I want to tell you how good God is. When we came home, when we were in France, we were uh, about to come back for deputation. Uh, we, we didn't have a vehicle for deputation. You can't, you can't fly everywhere. You can't take the bus. We needed a car. And about two weeks before we came back, we, we did not have a vehicle, and there was a pastor in Michigan that was working on it for us, trying to help us. About a week before we got back, he said, I think I have a car for you. The only thing is when you come back to New York, immediately you have to go to Michigan and, and, and try to buy this car. So we, we landed in New York, I think, on the Tuesday and then, uh, or the Monday, and Wednesday we had to fly out to Michigan to buy this car. It was a 2008 Toyota Sienna. We had a great deal on it. They sold it to us for $10,000, had good mileage, was in good shape. That same minister, they were having a Michigan's men's conference that weekend, and he said, why don't you just stop by the men's conference? So I went by. During the men's conference, he had me stand up, and he said, this is a missionary to France. He just bought a vehicle. Could we help them with some of the costs for the vehicle? By the time I left the Michigan men's conference, we had raised $10,000 to cover the entire cost of the van. Amen. So we went from not even knowing what kind of car we would have two weeks before we came here until a week after we came to having a car and having it completely paid off so we could go on deputation. That's the kind of God that we serve. He is a good God. He is a great God. I met my wife uh, in New York, actually, at Bethel, uh, our church in New York there. Uh, I, I tease people all the time. I said my wife was following me around to see if she could get a hold of me, but that's not true. I know a little bit better than that. We met one day uh, after after church one Sunday, and uh, I, I kind of pursued my wife. And I think you should you should, you should still pursue your wife. <laughs> I think that's still a good thing to do. And uh, I, I asked her that Sunday. I said, "What?" Well, uh, a group of my friends are going out after church. Would you mind coming? And she just kind of flat out said no. <laughs> I said okay. So I said, well, the church is having a picnic tomorrow. Would you, do you mind coming? And she says, well, my flight leaves tomorrow, but I might be able to come by. So she came by at the picnic and Pastor, we we struck up a conversation at that picnic and we talked for what I felt was a few hours, but it probably was only a half hour or an hour. At the end of that conversation, I said to my wife, "What well, was not my wife at the time?" I said to her, "Well, I've enjoyed speaking with you. Is there any way that I could have your number so we, I could call you and we could speak some more?" And pastor, she said, "No." <laughs> I said, "Oh my Lord, have mercy." I said, "Well, why why don't we try maybe email? I me and I me, mean, you could give me your email address." So she agreed to that. So we started corresponding by email, and then, as they say, the rest was history. But she made me work for that. I remember the first time I emailed her. She doesn't, she doesn't remember this, but I emailed her. We had a mutual friend, and I did not hear anything back. And I said to her mutual friend, I said, I don't think she's really interested. And her friend said, I think she is. She's just busy with work right now. And I said, well, thank God because I don't know how many more tries I have in me. I think I'm 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 about done now, but God is good, and I'm thankful I met my wife. She's been a blessing to me, and God has blessed us tremendously. We have been married now for five years, and God has blessed us tremendously. And I'm thankful, thankful for the goodness of the Lord in our lives. In fact, I want her to come now, and she's going to bring our son Caleb. Caleb is three years old. And just one thing I want to say, Caleb, it was a miracle. Uh, when we got married, we were a little bit older than we look. I know most of you say that you probably think we look about 18 or so, but we're a little bit older than that, a little bit older. So we got married at a late age in life, and we had we wanted to start a family. We went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at my wife and said, It is impossible for you to have children naturally. So we were disappointed, but we weren't mad at God. We said, God, let your will be done. Whatever it is, we, we will just fall, fall into place with what your will is. It turns out that while the doctor was telling my wife that while we were sitting in her office, my wife was already pregnant. Amen. So that's how God works. I believe in doctors. My brother-in-law is a doctor. But when it comes to reports, I believe the report of the Lord. Amen. Above anything else, above what anybody else says, I believe the report of the Lord. So I'm here to tell you, God is a God that's still in the miracle business. Amen? Amen. God bless
1: you.
3: I love Jesus. grave Seigneur tout le monde, c'est une joie d'être ici à Hamilton avec les saints de Dieu. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's great to be here in Hamilton with the saints of God, de pouvoir le louer et de l'adorer, to be able to praise him and to worship him. Et comme le psalmiste David dit, je suis dans la joie quand on me dit, allons à la maison de l'éternel parce que c'est dans sa présence que c'est le meilleur endroit. And as the psalmist David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, because the best place to be in it is in his presence presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bring you greetings from France. Great things are happening there. We have great revival. Um, As my husband said, I grew up in France. My husband, my parents have been there for 40 years as missionaries. And so one of the first churches that was started was with my older brother and myself. We started, we rounded a bunch of neighborhood friends and we had church in our garage and my mother taught us Sunday school there. And that's how it started many, many years ago. And then I grew up in France. I uh, returned to Canada when I was about 17, and I pursued my studies there. And uh, the call of God was always on my heart to go back. And after many years, my husband and I finally went three years ago. We were planning to go for one year, and that one year turned into three years because there was such a great need for people to reach the souls in uh, in France. And in those three years, we've seen over 200 people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So great things are happening. Um, to give you an example, in our home church in Merlin, we have so many people there on Sunday mornings that we had to put people in the basement with live feed, and that just wasn't working out very well. So we started a project called Destiné de Doubler, which means Destined to Double. And this past January, we have now two services, one at 9 o'clock and one at 11.30, and both already packed. So we really need a new building, and we're really praying for that in Jesus' name. Amen the indigenous french people are a bit harder to reach with the gospel but we found a way that really uh, touches them and that's through gospel music they love love gospel music so if you play oh happy day they'll start dancing in the streets whatever <laughs> so we uh, took our choir out to uh, different malls and different city squares and uh, we just had we sang gospel music and in one of those malls a uh, mayor from another town came by and he said, "Please bring your choir to my village because I really want to hear about the gospel. I want my people to hear about it too. So we're planning on doing that. And then in another city where uh, in Fontainebleau, that's where Caleb was born, uh, they've actually invited us to come back for their Christmas qu- their Christmas market. Next month, so we're we're going there to sing, and so we hope to be uh, blessing there, and that there several doors might be opened. Uh, We've actually even started in Fontainebleau a cell group meeting this past summer. And so we're having cell group meetings, and when we head back to France, our our goal, that's our biggest goal, is to start a church in Fontainebleau. So if you ever think of France, please think of Fontainebleau and think and pray for a church in Fontainebleau, in Jesus' name. France has a population of about 66 million people and only 17 UPC churches. It's about the size of uh, the state of Texas, so it's very small, but a lot of people, a a great population. Um, to put that in perspective, the state of New Jersey has about 9 million people and close to 30 UPC churches. And already the state of New Jersey is under church, but France is even more under church and needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. So if we could ask you to please pray for us that we return to France quickly and uh, work for God because there's a very, very great need. We appreciate you. Thank you for having us. God bless you.
2: Praise God. As my wife said, I don't know if some of you got that statistic, but there's 66 million people in only 17 churches. And you might say, well, there are other truth speaking organizations. Yes, they are, but not many and not many large churches. They're very small. So France needs the gospel. They consider themselves to be a Catholic nation, but Catholic by tradition only. Most of them don't attend church. They might attend church on certain holidays, but most of them don't attend church. In fact, many of the beautiful cathedrals there are, have become museums now. They don't really hold services there anymore. But I believe that in the next few years, and I want you to believe this with me, that God will turn some of those cathedrals over to us so we could put them to good use and that the Holy Ghost can be flowing and, and God could have a place established for a work there in France. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Two things I should have apologized about before I started. Number one, usually when my wife is testifying, there is a picture of a slideshow that's behind her. And since we have been traveling, this is the second time that I've forgotten that flash drive. We were on the way here and I left it at the hotel. And I apologize for that. I wanted to show you some more pictures of France. I think I have it online After church. I might be able to put it up so you could see some of what's happening in France. Many people are being filled with the Holy Ghost, and being baptized in Jesus' name. And it is amazing, an amazing thing to see. Uh, France is experiencing unprecedented revival. And it's not because of Dean and Lorene Byfield, but it's because we're right in step with the last day prophecy that says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we just line ourselves up to where God wants us to be, and he's moving in that country and we're thankful for what God is doing. He's such a good God. We're thankful for that. In the city of Fontainebleau, as my wife said, we pray for us, to, for us to have have a church there. We know that God is going to do great things in that city. You would have never thought before it's a city that has a great business school. In fact, it has one of the best business schools in the world. Uh, it's called ENSIAD, and has a lot of chateaus there where Napoleon himself stayed. And so a town like that, that has so much going for it. They do not have a church, one truth-speaking church in that entire city. And we believe that God has called us there to plant a church in Fontainebleau, France. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. We believe that God is going to do it. Amen. Second thing I want to apologize for is my voice. Very scratchy. This is not normally my voice, but for the last few days I've been trying to fight something so I apologize for that in advance please bear with us as my wife said France needs the gospel number one you could pray for us we need your prayers prayers work it's not something that we just say we have to be careful folks many times we just say well we'll pray for you or pray it's too much of a powerful weapon to be just throwing around throwing it off the cuff but when you pray your prayers could go around the globe faster than anything else that you could do and I believe that and so we ask you to Pray for us. Uh, whenever, whenever you remember France, please remember to pray for the byfields that God will establish a church there. And we need preachers. We need leaders. We need preaching points. We need everything. We have 17 churches. We need our Bible school. We need people who graduate out of our Bible school with a burden to reach that entire country. And we. so if you need things to pray for. Please pray. The Bible says, you know, it's funny. The Bible doesn't really tell us to pray for the lost. You don't really find that many times in the Bible. But what the Bible does tell us is pray for laborers. See, pray that God will send laborers to the field because they will not hear unless they have someone that's sent. And God, we need people that will go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the corners of France. And if you have, want, need something to pray for, please pray for that, that God will send laborers into that harvest. The second way you could help us is by giving. Prayer is important, but also giving is important. If you want, we have projects that uh, you could help us with. We, we will have forms available uh, after church. If you see us, uh, basic projects. We go back to France, and we start at ground zero. As we said, we were there for three years, and we had an apartment. We had furniture, but we gave up our apartment. We sold all our furniture to our landlord. It was... Uh, it was cheaper to do that than to rent a warehouse facility for a year or more. So we sold it. So we go back to France at ground zero. So if you'd help us as we go back to France, whatever projects you could help us with. The number one thing we're working on right now is airfare to go back to France. If you could help us with our airfare, you could write it down on this sheet. If you have a check, you could give it to us. We, we would be able to take credit cards. Or you could write down the amount on this sheet of paper, and you could send it in, or you could give it to us, and we could send it in at a later date for you it doesn't have to be tonight but it could be done at a later date so we thank you in advance for that how many know that you cannot outgive god the bible tells us that when we give that it will be given back to us pressed down shaken together running over shall men give in our bosoms and I know that scripture is not all about finances but it can apply to finances also but the thing that intrigues me about that scripture is that the Bible says will men give into to your bosom and so God kind of gives us an insight onto how his kingdom works God could by any means he could come down here right now and bless each and every one of us with the finances that we need but he doesn't work like that he uses people in his kingdom to bless others and that's how the kingdom of God works and when you bless others, God will see to it that you are indeed blessed also. Amen? Amen. I believe in that. I believe in the Word of God. Thank you for that. I I, I thank you in advance for all you're doing. I feel the presence of the Lord here. I feel that this is a strong church. I believe that this is a giving church, and I thank you in advance for partnering us with the work, for the work in France. And it's it's such a, a joy to see what God can do with churches here. Uh, as they meet the need in France, a few months ago we were in France and our, our vehicle broke down, and we needed uh, we needed to we needed to be fixed. So we wrote to some of the pastors here in North America, and one pastor in Louisiana wrote a check for two thousand dollars and sent it in for our vehicle to be fixed. Well, that same van we drove and we preached on Friday and Saturday uh, in, in at a, at a uh, service there at a church there, and that weekend we saw about eight. People receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and now what the, the the intriguing thing about that is that no one in that church in Louisiana was physically at those altars, laying their hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost, but because of their giving and us being able to put that van back on the road, they were absolutely a part of everything that happened that weekend, and that 's how God works, and that 's how the kingdom of God works, and that 's how God will use your finances and your prayers. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. If you stand with me, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verses 1. We thank you, France. I'm sorry, Pastor, about your experience in France. We 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 have to extend the invitation for you to come back so you could have a better experience next time. Amen. Amen. I I wish you would have gotten the name of that restaurant so we could go and have a little word with them and ask them. Why they didn't seat our friends. Uh, So the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verses 1, it's good to be with you, the saints of God. This is the great part about deputation, living out of suitcases and packing up in and out of hotels. Thank you, by the way, for the accommodations, great accommodations. I appreciate it very much. Uh, that gets a little bit trying, but being with saints of God, this is refreshing, and this is what we like. We enjoy being here with you, so thank you for allowing us to do that. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1. We'll skip around a little bit, if you'd forgive that. The Bible says, And the Lord speak unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall ye send man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them to the wilderness of Paran, all the men that were the head, were heads of the children of Israel. Let's skip down to verse 17. The Bible says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountains and see the land, what it is, and that the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, or what cities that they, they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was a time of the first ripe grapes. So, in verse 21, so they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Rehob, as men came come to Hamath. Verse 25, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Verse 27, and they told him and said, we come unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, all the ites lived there. They came back and said, they're all there. By the coast of the Jordan, verse 30, and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men, verse 31, that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Verse 33, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. What an intriguing story. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on something I've entitled, I Still Believe. I Still Believe. Turn around to the person next to you and tell them that I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. Let's lift our voice and ask God to help us in these next few minutes. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need you. Oh, blessed God, be the name of the Lord. Lord.
1: Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh God, we Hallelujah!
2: Hallelujah! Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because you're good. You're great, and you're great. Let you be praised. Minister in these next few moments, Lord God, as only you can. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. One more time before you're seated, give somebody a high five and tell them, I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. And you may be seated. And you may be seated. The name Edmund Hillary might not mean anything to anyone in this room. But Edmund Hillary is the first man that has ever reached the summit of Mount Everest. Mount Everest for a long time had been considered a mountain that was unclimbable and the ultimate climbing challenge by many because of the many risks that are associated with climbing Mount Everest, the falls and the the extreme high altitude and the deep crevices and all those dangerous experiences Mount Everest has always been a challenge, but after dreaming about climbing Mount Everest, Mr. Hillary set out on his on his charge to climb it. He had a climbing partner with him, and after seven weeks of climbing and attempting to climb Mount Everest, Mr. Edmund Hillary, who was from New Zealand, reached the summit of that mountain. It was on May 29, 1953, and he reached. The summit of Mount Everest. The first man ever to do that. The first man to ever successfully did do that. Many had tried before, but they either were turned around by the extreme weather or some of them died trying to reach. But Mr. Hillary made his way to the top. He said that there were many times when they were knocked down. When he came back from off that mountain, they dared to ask him, Sir, What made you successful over anybody else that's ever tried to climb this mountain? He said we were knocked down many times. He says as we climbed that we were knocked by wind and ice and different things and debris came our way and we fell at times. But then they asked him, what is it that made you so successful? Because everybody else has experienced this also. And he looked at them and I I say what he says, I put it in quotes tonight. He said this, it is not the mountain that we conquered, but ourselves. I want you to understand that statement that Mr. Hillary said. He said, it is not the mountain that we conquered, but it is ourselves that we conquered. In other words, Mr. Hillary was saying the mountain is what it is. The mountain has its setbacks. The mountain has its cliffs. And, and the mountain has its dangers. But he said, we decided not to focus on the mountain and the dangers of the mountain. But we decided to focus on ourselves. And we decided to focus on fear that might be in us. And the fear that might stop us from getting to the top of that mountain. And we said to ourselves, no matter how many times we are going to be knocked down. How many times we are going to have setbacks, we are going to make it to the top of that mountain no matter what it takes. And I submit to you tonight, if two men can have such a belief in themselves that would propel them in the the face of unfavorable conditions, What can happen if you and I, as children of the Most High God, could put our faith not in ourselves, but our faith in an Almighty God, a God that is great, a God that is greatly to be praised, What would happen in this thing of life that we call when we face mountains and when we face setbacks and when we face things that come our way, if we would put our faith and our trust in God and say, even though I have been knocked down, I am not focused on what's in front of me because it is what it is, but I'm focused on the God that's inside of me because He is bigger than the mountain that I see. In fact, he's the one that made this mountain. So I, I'm going to focus on the God that's in me, not on myself or, or, or not on the thing that it is in front of me. You know what I've learned in my very short life? Is that many times I've tried to navigate my way through life. I've tried to get through life minimizing the pitfalls as much as possible. There's not nothing wrong with doing that. But I've learned one thing. Life is what it is. There are times when you you're just smoothing sail, smooth sailing, and going along smoothly, and life just kind of throws you a curveball, and you say, "Well, where did that come from?" And you could just be going along and things happening to you and things rock your world. One phone call and it just rocks your world. And you say, well, where did this come from? And I've learned I cannot control that. Life is what it is. But the one thing I can control is how I deal with that situation. And the God that's in me, how He and I will deal with the situations that are facing our lives. Just like these men We have mountains, we have setbacks, we have obstacles that we're going to face. But it's not the mountains or the setbacks... That is our difficulty. I'm looking and focusing on the God that made that mountain. I'm focusing on the God that says, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? That is my focus. I'm focusing on a God that even says to me, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it can be done. That's the God that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on a God that made that mountain, the God of that mountain instead of that mountain. I want to focus on the God of life instead of life itself and its pitfalls. I need to see and know that God is able to take me through. We need to cast out everything in our minds that says otherwise. God is able. I know that phrase is so elementary, but can I tell you, God is able. You need to say it to yourself until you believe it. It's got to go past something that we sing in church and something that we preach about, but it's got to get down into our hearts where we know that no matter what I'm facing, God is able to deal with any situation that's going on in my life. It's a belief that we have to have. And more than that belief... We have to pray second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 5 and every other thought and anything that tries to come into our minds that tells us contrary to the fact that God is able, we have to cast down those imaginations. We've got to cast down high things that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, there are times, the Bible says there the flesh wrestles against the spirit. And there are times in our, in our flesh where it tries to tell us things, but we have, have got to learn to cast... Down those imaginations. Imaginations, images. Imaginations, images. Images are not real. Very many times. They are imaginations. And you know that we have such vivid imaginations. But the Bible says we have the ability to cast down even the images and the imaginations that try to come and tell us that God is not able to do it. We've got to understand that God is able to do it. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask. Listen to imaginations again. Or think. You know that you think bigger than you talk. You know that. And the Bible says it does not even have to come out of your mouth. All you have to do is think it. And he could do above and beyond what you can even think in your mind. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's able. So here are the children of Israel. And they have been rescued from Egypt by nothing short of a miracle. You know the book of Exodus and many of you know the stories about how the children of Israel have been rescued by the plagues that God sent to the Egyptians. And they saw and they knew that God was doing this. They knew it could not have been themselves, but they knew it was miracles and they knew that God was doing it. God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh by nothing by the miraculous. In fact, even after God delivered them from Egypt, the Bible says that they knew God was with them because when when it was time to move, the Bible says that there was a cloud by day that moved and by night there was a fire. And so those children of Israel knew that God not only delivered them from Egypt, but He was still with them. And they knew the miraculous. They saw that and they knew how good God was. But God had brought them out of Egypt. Not just to show them how good he was. God had brought them out of Egypt not just to rejoice that they have been out of Egypt. When God saves you, God just doesn't save you just so you can feel good or rejoice that you have salvation. I know that it's good to rejoice that we have salvation, but can I tell this congregation something tonight? God has got so much more for you. Those Israelites would have died in the wilderness. They were content just to stay there. They were so happy with the success of their departure from Egypt, but God had so much more for them. In fact, what God had for them, it didn't even start with them. It started with Abraham. He told Abraham a long time ago that I'm going to bring you into a land that I will give to you. And that's what he told the children of Israel. He told them, I'm going to deliver you out of Egypt and I'm going to take you to your land. So now they are on the brink. Of walking into the land of promise. They have got a body of evidence behind them that God is with them. So now they are ready to walk into the promised land. And this is what God told them to do. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 6. God says this. The Lord our God spake unto us in Oreb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount, Turn you and take your journey and go to the Mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto in the plain, in the hills, in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, and to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, and the great river, the river Euphrates. Listen to this. Behold, I have set the land before you. What's the next two words? That's what God said. God said, I set the land before you go in. He says, go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto you, your fathers Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them and to their seed after them. God says, I have set the land before you. He says, go in and possess it. He says, fear not. And he says, neither be discouraged. That was the word from the Lord. Just go in. Just go. Just go. But somewhere between Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 8, and Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 21, there's a whole paradigm shift that takes place. Now, here is what we're listening to. Here's what we've come up on. now. Deuteronomy 1, verses 21. Behold, this is Moses talking. The Lord thy God set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. Right? That's what he said. As the Lord thy God thy fathers has said unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. Right? Right? That's what he said. And ye came unto me. Moses is talking to the people now. He says, you people came to me, every one of you. And you said, we will send men before us, and they shall search out the land and bring us word again what way we must go up into the cities, and what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. Ah, listen, listen to this. I don't know if the plan to send these spies even came from God in the first place. God said, go up. Moses is admitting here that the people gave him the idea to go and search out the land. You see, the people started to doubt. And because they started to doubt, they convinced the pastor that what God told the pastor wasn't what was supposed to happen. I know that doesn't happen today. But they convinced Moses, no, Moses, we're not just going to go into the promised land. Let's send spies to the promised land and let's check it out. Okay. Moses says, let's go, go to the promised land. So he picked out the the, the, the leaders of the 12 tribes. So they go to the promised land and they look and they start to walk around in the promised land and, and they look around. And they get some of the fruit of the promised land. And after 40 days of spying out the promised land, here they come back to Moses. Well, Moses, here's what they said when they come back. Numbers 13, verses 27. And they told him, and they said, we came unto the land where you sent us, Moses. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it.
1: That's what God said
2: He said it was going to be flowing with milk and honey. Didn't you not believe God? And so they come back and they said, here, it's flowing with milk and honey. And they even come back with the evidence. Here's the fruit of it. Beautiful. But the next word that they say, they said, nevertheless. That word, nevertheless, that they said, that one word changed the course of that entire dialogue. That one word changed the entire situation. In fact, if you look at the Bible long enough, that one word changed the course of an entire generation. Because they said, nevertheless. They said, nevertheless, the people in the land are strong that dwell in it. The cities are walled. Nevertheless, there are many great men there, and they said the are Malachites from the land. And they go on and on and on to tell the sob story of the reason, really, the excuse why they can't go into the land. But what they did not understand was that God was not looking for their excuses, but God had only told them to go into the land. You see, many times we use excuses because we look at ourselves and we say we're not able to do it. I've got news for you. It was never about your abilities, but it was about you being available to God and for God to use you to go and accomplish the impossible. They made it about themselves. And when they made it about themselves, they realized how weak they were in the eyes of these men that were on the other side of that land. And they said, nevertheless, we are not able to go into that land. You see, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that word nevertheless, it's a Hebrew word that means a ceasing, an end. It means a finality. In other words, when you say a sentence and you say nevertheless, What came before that sentence comes to an end. It comes to a cessation. And what you say after, nevertheless, becomes your new reality. So they came back. And they said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless... They ended that mindset right there. They ended that train of thought. They said, nevertheless, then they started talking about the people in the land that are strong. And so the people in the land, the strong people in the land and the walled cities, that became their new reality. Not the fruit and the the milk and the honey anymore, but the men in the land became their new reality. So now, instead of their focus being on what God sent them to do, their focus was on the wrong, the wrong, the wrong thing. They, those spies witnessed God's promises, but they couldn't trust His protection. So many times we serve God half-heartedly. I trust you for a little bit, God. But don't, Pastor, please don't ask me to trust God for all of this. I could only trust, and I understand sometimes where we work in increments in our faith. But there's some time when we've got to know if the word of God says it, let God be true and every man be a liar. And let us receive the promises of God and what God has spoken into our lives. Let us walk forward and receive what God has for us. The giants and the wall cities became their new reality. They trusted what they saw instead of what they could not see. But that's not how faith operates the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 it says "But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen that's where some of us halt in walking into the promise that God has for us because we cannot see how it could come to pass God I know what you said but I cannot see how you could bring this into fruition there's so many things stacked against me but I don't read anywhere in the word where it tells us that we have to see and we even have to understand but the word just tells us that we have to Trust in the Lord with all our hearts, all our minds, lead not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and let Him direct the path. Let Him, when He's the path leader, everything is be alright. He will clear those things out of your path. He will clear the obstacles out of your path when you let Him direct your path. They were, they were, they were walking and trusting in what they could see and not believing In the things that they could not see. Their doubt in God. And the fact that God was going to give them that land. Led to their untimely failure. They failed in that land. You know what happened? You know what the Bible said about those spies that went. And came back with a bad report. Saying that we're not able to go up to the land. The Bible said their carcasses fell in the wilderness. God does not like faith of faithlessness. In fact, the Bible says that you've got to believe first if you even come to God. The first thing you've got to do is believe. And believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Oh church, I know we talk about faith, but I've come to put something in your spirit today. Do you really have faith in God? Faith when you cannot see things. And faith when you don't understand. And still believe that God is able to do it. Can somebody still Get up after you've gotten a call or a visit from the hospital and say, I still believe that God is able to do it. When the, your finances alone, can somebody say, I still believe that God is able to do it. Those men fell and died in the wilderness. Some of our promises, if we're not careful will die right here with us because we refuse to take a step in faith in what God has spoken into our lives. Hear me again. God's promises. The Bible says the calling and the thing of God is on your life and it's without repentance. So it's not God's fault that the promises die. It's our fault. Because if we don't choose to walk into what God has called, he will not. God is a perfect gentleman. In fact, the Bible says this about him when it comes to you and I. It says, behold, I stand at the door and he doesn't barge into your life and make you do anything you don't want to do. You are responsible for taking the promises of God and walking ahead with it in faith. And once you do that, he will supply, he will be that God that will supply and he will When those spies came back, they said, there's milk and honey in the land, and here's the fruit of it, nevertheless. But I have some advice for them. I want to give them a little lesson in, in English, even though they didn't speak English. What they should do is change their sentence structure around. I like the word nevertheless because I like the fact there's an end to what comes before it. So let's keep nevertheless and let's keep that in the middle of the sentence. And so what they should have said, they should have said the people in the land are very strong. There are walled cities in the land and there are giants in the land. Nevertheless. So what came comes before nevertheless now comes to an end. And they should have said nevertheless, God. Now what comes after nevertheless becomes the new reality. So the fact that there were giants and all that in the land, if they had changed their sentence structure around and said nevertheless... God would have now became their new reality. And that what they would have understood is that no matter if they're walls or if they're giants, nevertheless, God is able to bring us through. Nevertheless, God is able to take us to that land so we can conquer that land. There's somebody in here today. That you need to say, I know what the doctor report says. Nevertheless, God is a healer. Somebody needs to say, I know my finances doesn't seem like it will take me through another week. Nevertheless, God is a provider. Somebody needs to say, my life seems like it's falling apart. Nevertheless, God is my refuge and my strength. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God, nevertheless, God. Let God, let God become your new reality. <laughs> let God become your new reality, nevertheless, God. I believe that in 2018 going into 2019, God is wanting to show himself strong to his church like never before. We have already begun to eclipse what has happened in the book of Acts. But I don't even think that we have reached even the starting point of what God is going to do. Pastor Wyatt, I believe in this community that people are going to walk by this fire station. I've had church in a lot of places before. I've never had church in a fire station. But it's good it's in a fire station because when the fire starts to burn, they're just around the corner. But I believe that people are going to drive by here. Believe me. Listen, we hear all this stuff all the time. I grew up here in this stuff. My dad, I grew up in Jamaica. And my dad would tell me these stories about how people would call on the name of Jesus and people that were trying to aggress them would run away. And, and I heard all these stories. And I've come to the point where I'm tired of hearing the stories. I said the same God that my dad served as a teenager is the same God that I have. In fact, the Bible says he is God and he does not change. And I believe that he still wants to do the same thing. The only problem is you and I, we can't see it and we stop right there. And God says, I just want you to walk into the promises that you have that I have for you and watch what I will do. Watch what I will do. Three years ago, they would have told us, you can never start a church in Fontainebleau, France. They would have told us, yeah, well, have a good time. Good luck. Those French people, they really don't want to have anything to do with the gospel. They just want to have a good time. But I said, the French people might not want to have anything to do with the gospel. Nevertheless, God says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So wifey, come on, let's go to Fontainebleau France and see what God can do. And I'm telling you, we have already started a care group there because God has already started to pour out his spirit in that community. There is nothing that can stop God. You and I in this room, you have not experienced all that God has for you. I want you to put God to the test. I want you to challenge Him. God is about to open some doors for us. God is about to do some mighty things in our lives. Some of you have been praying for spouses and children to come back to church or even to come to salvation. I want you to believe that. Regardless if you walk into the house tonight and they tell you off, I want you to go in the next room and say, I still believe. Nevertheless, God is able to do it. He is able and I'm going to put my trust in God and believe that God is able to do it. Church, it's time we start believing in God. I'll come to a close quickly here, but we've, we've got to start knowing that God is able to do it. Do you know that we believe, and I say this, I say this as kind as possible, and I don't mean any harm, but do you know that we believe in the enemy sometimes a lot more than we believe in God? Because if I came here and I totally told you about terrorist attacks in France, most people, the power Of nevertheless, Luke chapter 5, verses 4. Peter is out. He's fishing on his boat. Jesus is there teaching with Peter. And apparently it's been an all-night Bible lesson. You think you have it bad tonight. You should have been there when Jesus was around. He would teach you all night. And so apparently it was one of those all-night Bible lessons. And in the morning, Jesus says, he says to Peter, he says, I want you to launch out into the deep. And cast your net. And now, if I were Peter, I would say, Rabbi, you stick with church and let me stick with fishing. I know fishing. I tried to catch some fish, but there are no fish here. That's what Peter could have said. But listen to what Peter says in verse 5. Simon Peter answered him saying, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Boom. Nevertheless. So what came before nevertheless was the fact that they have toil all night. But he said nevertheless at thy word I will cast down the net and the Bible says when they follow the instructions of the Lord that they pulled up that net and they could not even manage the amount of fish that were in there. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that your miracle is on the other side of your nevertheless why don't you put that negative stuff up front go ahead and talk about that negative stuff but then go ahead and say nevertheless God at your word I am going to do what you have called me to do Jesus, I feel faith in this room right now. I feel faith operating. Come on, I'm telling you right now, God has sent me here to tell a people that there's nothing too hard for Him. God has sent me here to tell a people that He's ready to do a work. He's just waiting for you to step through, to step on the other side of your nevertheless and believe and accept and receive what He's about to do in your life. If we can all stand. If we can all stand. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, help us. This is what I'd like us to do. If it's possible, if we could gather at the front here, I feel specific direction for what God wants to do here in our lives right now. I know we're limited in space, but as many of you that could gather at the front. But this is what I want you to do. Folks, I want you to think in your mind with me for a moment about some things in your life that in the flesh is impossible. I want you to think about some things that you've been praying about, but in your flesh you've been saying it is impossible for God. It's, it's impossible for this to be accomplished. I do want you to start thinking about that stuff. It might be about relationships. It might be about finance. It might be God opening doors for you. It might even be about some ministry. Might, I don't know what it's about, but there's something in your life that you've been, you've been wrestling with and you've been thinking it's impossible. And some of you have almost given up. And your promise has almost fell right there in the wilderness and died. And some of you, you might have gotten a dream or a word from God a long time ago, years ago. But you have never been able to march over into that land of promise. And now that dream perhaps may be on its last breath. But I'm telling you, there is a nevertheless God that's here right now. And he's saying, if you would just call out to me, I will breathe life right back into that promise. I will breathe life right back into that situation. And I want to show you, I want to show myself strong in your life. Everyone that's in this room right now, God wants to do something great, great, great in your life. He's no respecter of persons. He's called every man, woman, boy and girl in here for this kingdom. His kingdom for such a time as this and for a purpose. He loves each and every one of you. He knows your name. He said to Jeremiah, when you were, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And God knows you. And there are things that God wants to do in and through your life right now. I want you to think about those things. Now, this is what I want us to do before we move forward. I want us to pray a prayer of repentance. I want us to lift our hands and our voice and I want us to say, God, forgive us for our doubt. Forgive us for our unbelief. God, I'm sorry. Cleanse me, God. And purge me. Sanctify me, God. Everything that I've done wrong. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I give myself to you. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me, Jesus. And cleanse me, Lord God come on Christ sent to church that's it we are about to walk into some territory that we have never gone before we are about to accomplish some things that we have never accomplished before not because of our abilities but because of God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah Lord forgive us Lord God Lord we believe help our unbelief God we believe forgive our unbelief Jesus Help us to trust you more. or for grace to trust you more. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is what I want you to do now in this next prayer. I want you to pray. And I want you to claim some things in the Holy Ghost. I want you to claim your family in the Holy Ghost. I want you to claim your health in the Holy Ghost. I want you to claim this community in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, I want you to cry out to God right now. And claim it in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Call those things that are not even as if they are. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Those things that seem impossible. Yes, I want you to call them right now in the name of Jesus. If you need salvation, God is able to do that. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. The cry of God's people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody's been struggling with their walk with God. But I have a God that's here for you. He's as close as the mention of His name. Just call on the name Jesus right now. And believe God for the impossible. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> God, I will not be discouraged. I will not be discouraged, Lord, but I will be encouraged by your word. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There is no weapon that's formed against you that is about to...
1: No hayamos nosotros, no podemos nosotros, no podemos nosotros, no podemos no i the name the name of Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You're working Your people.
2: would say,